Welcome to the 17th episode of Hashtag Wolves. I'm your host, Noah, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Will in the Wolves Den. How are we doing? We're doing great. Broke the big 14-year drought. The Timberwolves are back in the playoffs, and we are here with a great episode breaking down uh, some pivotal games and looking ahead to the Rocket Series. Noah, how are you feeling? I'm I'm feeling great. This is pretty negative, but I, I, I couldn't even imagine how this podcast would have even started if we lost. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. We might have just packaged <laughs> it up. I had done a lot of research on Minnesota United, go Loons, just in case it kind of went down that route. And Lynx season is right around the corner, so... So not even bandwagoning, bandwagoning but just like sharpening your other irons yeah (laughs) yeah managing (laughs) managing expectations but no need to worry about that for at least four more games had like your pitch pitchfork for tibs under your bed yes i had fire tibs tweets ready to go and all that stuff but we won so all is right with the world (laughs) so we have two really pivotal games to break down the first one monday versus the grizzlies the big one is wednesday against the nuggets no, I'm going to give you credit for the name, the Twin Cities Mega Bowl, the battle for eighth place. So if anyone hasn't seen Semi-Pro, go see it. Yep. And then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. Things will make a lot more sense. Yeah. And you'll just have a great day because that's a great movie. Yes. And then we're having like what predictions on the Rocket series or deep dive breakdowns. Yeah. They might not exactly be bold picks, but you know, they're, they're important to make. So I think this would be under a segment. I have a segment proposal, like obligatory headlines or like, you know, stuff that we definitely have to cover as like journalists, I guess. Yeah, you can't just really brush over the whole we made the playoffs part. Yeah, so like let's say we've got a radio show instead and we're coming back from break. It's like, no one will. Back from break, we're going to give you our breakdown of the Rockets and what are the three keys to victory, you know? So that's what we're going to be doing next. But before that, let's talk about Monday against the Grizzlies. We trotted out our starting five and the Memphis Grizzlies took out their D-League team and a couple guys from local YMCAs and Timberwolves pulled out the victory. A couple storylines... From this one, I mean, what ended up being a really pivotal game. Grizzlies dealing with a lot of injuries, put Marcus Gasol on the shelf and Jermichael Green, I think. Mike Conley's still out. And I still thought they had Vince Carter and Zach Randolph, so I'm way behind on the Grizzlies. <laughs> the Kings, fir- right? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> the, the first half was really ugly, but I think the Timberwolves ended up emerging, showing that they were the better team, kind of exerted their will. Also, correction, it's the Memphis Hustle. Memphis Hustle. Yes. Okay, that's 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 the team that we played the other night. Great team, definitely up and coming. Great support system for the Grizzlies. Glad to have gotten the win. I'd say Towns had the big night, twenty four and eighteen on eleven of fourteen shots. Oh my word! So uh, Butler also three of eight shooting, and Towns just kind of gave it to Deonta Davis. Yeah, tough tough matchup for him without Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol normally plays Towns pretty well, and Deonta Davis did not know what he was. If you're one of Deonta Davis's ten thousand followers, go you know send him like a sympathy tweet or you know a little virtual pat on the back, or maybe like a direct message because he probably follows you back or he something. Probably, he probably message you. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. So I mean, is there anything else we really want to cover from the Grizzlies? We definitely want to get to your experience with the Nuggets game Wednesday. <laughs> I'm not out of body. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're uh, kind of burying the lead on this one. No, I, I think it was just sort of like a, a meat and potatoes win in the second half for the yeah. Wolves with the Grizzlies. The first half, I was sort of like refreshing my GameCast app, which is always unbelievably exhilarating. Yep. And trying to figure out if the Wolves are going to blow this one. And it was seemingly heading that way, but we were able to pull it out. 
Yeah, and that, then, this was during the point in the week when we were still like checking around other scores around the league too. And I thought it, like we mentioned this last podcast, but like the rest of the West definitely let us down. And then it comes down to like a one game plan with very few scenarios other than the eight seed. And you kept sending me percentages on kind of what our chances were. And it's like, it looks like it's just a one game playing for the eighth. Yeah. Before this game, I had a lot of red yarn, you know, going from picture to picture, like it was a crime scene. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> no, you were connecting the dots on the, <laughs> on the statistics real hard. But then the, the NBA kind of came back with a rebuttal, like, Hey, no, it's chill. It's just a one game playoff between Denver and the Timberwolves. Yep. But I still had to calculate percentages regarding seeds and such, but then it ended up being as we expected. Yep. So, so yeah, that was honestly, I was it the sixth, playing game ever in the NBA history and like something first in the last 21 years yep. was a stat you quoted. Yes, yeah, so like just to be at that, the energy was, I remember going to some sort of KG area games and while we've had sold out games this year and, you know, excitement around Butler, I think there is the, the certain energy of people who, like people who probably had watched three games of the Wolves, but just Minnesota fans who are excited. So sort of everyone's in the game. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like the corporate field. It was a Wednesday night game. Yeah. So... I mean, that says a lot that there was just screaming fans. Yep. Um, yep. So that was really good to see. It was really good energy. And going into the game, 538, 538 had us at a 60% chance. And I would sort of have to agree with that. Nuggets have been playing well. There's been a lot of uncertainty around the Wolves. And got a lot of young guys who haven't been in a clutch game before. What think like What's the most clutch game that Towns or Wiggins has had to play in? None, right? Yeah. They've all just been general regular season remember games. dunks after dark with wiggins and like th- at uh minneapolis state mankato or something or I, minnesota state mankato i can't say i recall that was a big one that, that was like his rookie <laughs> year with levine so don't discount that yeah so like t- to be honest like, this is probably for me if i was playing this, this has more pressure to it than in game one of the playoffs right mm. i mean you can drop one game one against the rockets as everyone expects them to do hint hint I just don't, don't want to spoil it so i, I think this, this is the highest pressure game that any of these guys have any of the sort of new guys that played in, like Tyus, Towns, and Wiggins. We still, Jimmy was still on a minutes restriction, and it didn't, like when you're watching the game, you always notice Jimmy back before he was injured. It's just kind of where your focal point is. But I'll say at the game, and definitely in the Memphis game too, Towns has really just taken that over. And I understand that Jimmy's coming back from injury. He's playing average or above average that I expected to in his return. But Towns is like easily the focal point when you're watching the game now. Mm-hmm. It's actually really interesting to see. Jokic would, would be the other... A place for my point. focus was. Yeah. He, it's just everything sort of revolves around him, even more so than like a Jimmy or Towns, I feel like. It's just his presence on the court. I can't really describe it, but the way that he's just able to move the ball with his size and score in just with Wiggins-like shots really just sort of blew me away. I never watched like a full game of Jokic until now, and I'm just really, really impressed with them. And the analytics definitely back him up. I mean, he's got a pretty amazing set of offensive moves, not just the passing is what really dazzles people because he's a big man that has, like, point guard skills. Yeah, it's like mixing Rubio with sort of a intelligent score, right? And I say yeah. intelligent because Wiggins and Jamal will sort of itch for those crazy shots right away. Mm-hmm. I feel like he gets past the ball when there's five seconds left on the shot clock, so he's forced to take them, you know what I mean? Yep. So they're much different positions where Jamal and Wiggins, you could sort of critique their shot selection. Yeah, and so he, he really gave it to Towns over the stretch. Like, you were at the game, I wasn't, and you texted me just, like, Jokic. And I looked at, like, oh, my gosh, he's absolutely killing us right now. 
I thought Towns had an, a great game, but I think that like net wise on his matchup, he might have lost it, which is really interesting to me. Yep. And I think we won on other matchups in the game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we won by we went into OT, so everything was pretty close. But I just think Almost other guys like being even pretty at, consistent, even at the end of regulation, you could say. Yeah, one might one might say. <laughs> yeah, bonus basketball. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy did score thirty one, but just I don't. He didn't do it in a very efficient manner, and I. I think he probably felt pressure that he was one of the only playoff veterans on this court. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jamal has had appearances, but like a starter who's has that playoff experience and Taj. I, th- I think he just sort of tried to be his old self while being on a minutes restriction and going 10 for 21. Yeah. It just, it's kind of the storyline I would have guessed. Like, obviously, Jimmy's not going to slow down with his mentality. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but I also would have guessed that he's going to go, you know, under 500 shooting. Yeah, and it's interesting because I remember reading up before the game, like, oh, Jimmy's still on a minutes restriction. I'm like, if this game's close, Tibbs will play him with 54 minutes. Like, it, it does not matter. He was really important down the stretch in overtime, and I was kind of nervous about how many minutes he was going to get. But at that point, it was like, okay, this is a must-win game if there ever were yeah, a must-win game. Yeah, exactly what you said he was going to do, and I think it was just a proxy for him saying, we're going to be careful with Jimmy. If yeah. we get up by 20, we're going to take Jimmy out. Yeah, has someone like shown Tibbs what minutes restriction means in <laughs> yeah, like, dictionary.com? Yeah. <laughs> We're only going to play him 48. It's like, wait, Tibbs. <laughs> right. And to your point about Jimmy's inefficiency, like he was able to make some shots down the stretch, especially because Towns had this long stretch where he didn't take anything. He had like a tip in and then no, basically no touches throughout a stretch in the fourth quarter. I think there's still some getting used to having Jimmy back in the fold. Because other guys had to step up, and now you need to accommodate his space again. And Which I know is a lot of space. Yeah, I know when stars come back, it's you can tend to kind of pass them the ball and watch. And now the Timberwolves have to get their offensive groove back, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I do think it's unfortunate timing for when he came back. You know yeah, what I mean, uh, it, it doesn't give them a lot of time to sort of gel and like random, you know, Tuesday night games, sixty-five games in the season or something. Right. right? There's sort of a lull per se, and you could, I guess, experiment. There definitely isn't that. At so. least it's before the playoffs. I thought worst case scenario is like, we don't know what we're going to get in game one against the Rockets. Yeah, I guess best case scenario would be, like you said, have these games to flesh it out and then end up with the sixth seed where we're, in my opinion, like I, I think we're a four or five seed caliber team with Jimmy back. Absolutely. Obviously, we're not going to be reflected like that in the standings but because Jimmy wasn't there. But if Jimmy comes back and we're like a six seed and we're playing a three seed, I think a lot of people would say... We're right there in it. So mm-hmm. uh, that's where I think we fell a little short of the best case scenario, but no one could have predicted that the Western Conference would be this tight and all these teams would go on these insane winning streaks. So, I mean, it ended up being a great game, though, which kind of all you can ask for. It was ugly. Like, I wouldn't say the it was a wire-to-wire wire beautiful it was, it was game. Gritty. Like, yep. we talked about this. You, you don't see five passes and a nice, like, someone gets caught off like off a matchup and yeah, open really three breaking down the defense or you know you finally get Taj in a mismatch and he just you know does his thing and gets two it, it was it was forced and so that, that's frustrating to watch but I guess they just fought through it I don't know if that's coaching I don't know if that's I mean I, to me that's the style of the players we have right yeah the Timberwolves offense is kind of ugly by nature I mean you look at players like Teague and Butler and Wiggins they I mean Teague is a really good outside shooter but there's it's no like flashy break down the defense make them collapse and kick it to somebody it's like let's keep working it for a 
good shot, even if it sort of kills our fan base. And then to watch that in contrast to the Nuggets, it just started to show a lot. Yep. So it, it did get frustrating. But I mean, what if we're if we go into OT in a sixty forty game and we win the game? Like, how can I sit here and complain? Right. Right. OT OT was like really impressive, and I mean the Nuggets missed a lot of shots, but I think we sort of we buckled down, and I, I think Towns really just drove the W here, especially the Grizzlies game too. So I, I think he's confident in his role after Jimmy's absence and. Even when he's back, I think he's still just getting used to that, and he's still he had the clutch factor, right? Like this is Towns' biggest game of his career, and he was able, and it didn't seem phased at all. Yeah, and there we wasn't any early misses or anything. We need that for him to like come out flying in the playoffs. It's gonna, I mean, that's gonna be huge. He he's gonna have such a big role because there's not really a lot of guys in the league that can guard him, and we need to put a lot of pressure on the Rockets. Like, like we're gonna pressure on. on. So should we jump to it? What we think of the big Rocket series? Yeah. You have sure. the Wolves winning in how many games? I'd say five, just because I think at home we're predicted to have like a thirty percent chance or something. So you think like I said winning. So. Well, how many games? Oh, one. Oh, okay. All right. One. Okay. My my bad. My bad. <laughs> I was trying to kind of feed you a line there. I have the Wolves winning in sixty-two. If we had a sixty-two game series, I think we could scratch out four wins. That's insane. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I... We'll run the numbers on that, but... So, back it up. So, you say the Wolves can win one game. I definitely agree. I mean, we're, we're fans, That's right, but like we're... That's the, the normal curve. Yeah, we're realists at the same time. So, give me give me your reasons why that's the case. I mean, what? The, the Rockets are the best team in the NBA. They haven't shown any sign of slowing down. They get more games at home. Jimmy Butler's coming back from an injury and hasn't fully played up to his potential. I, I'm listing all the cons right now, but yeah. And the, the Rockets are so well balanced that if Harden becomes old playoff Harden, they, they still have Chris Paul. Clint even Capella. if Harden was out for the entire series, the Rockets are a better team than us. Yeah, I I agree. They are an awful awful matchup for the Timberwolves. Like we, you could say that Jimmy can check James Harden, but that's. That's not going to be a push at I that point. I went through point. each matchup on their starting five, and I truly believe it's like 0-5 oh, or 1-4. Mm-hmm. and four. <laughs> Yeah, well, and then you look at the advantage that we have, which is basically Towns, and Clint Capella is just a really, really good defender and rebounder. And then you could say Taj and Ryan Anderson just play a different game. And Capella's I, as or more efficient than Towns. Yep, yep. He's and, like Towns and Taj combined. <laughs> right, and I think part of that's because if you put you know, like Capella on his own team just by himself, he wouldn't be able to run the show. But on the Rockets, it's just like, great, they have this deadly piece that kind of fits right in. And yeah. he fits the system really well. So maybe he's not used to being the number one guy, but I think he gets sort of hidden being the third guy on that team. It's sort of like the Taj effect, right? Like we always talk about Butler and Towns, and they're clearly the f- two best players, just like Harden and Paul are. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, why talk about them? And they're both kind of like gritty down low. I mean, Taj is a lot, probably one of the more boring players out there, but so he just doesn't, I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves, and I think he'll be sort of a X factor. You looked at their starting five, I kind of thought about like they have two all star caliber players, and we have two all star caliber players. So they've got Chris Paul and James Harden. That's their one-two punch. And then the depth after that. Yeah, and then the depth after that, it really falls off a cliff. Like, then they have just three-point shooters and three and D guys for days. Mm-hmm. And just the, the playoff experience, probably, after that. Belly isn't... No, he... Except in Euroball. 
Well, yeah. I don't know if he had a deep run in Euroball, but he was the MVP, so, so. which is a regular season award. <laughs> don't get back to that controversy. The one thing that hasn't been talked about a whole lot, I think really, really needs to be emphasized, is Luke Richard and Bamute, who's been playing some solid minutes for the Rockets. He is out, I think, for the whole first round with a hurt shoulder, so he doesn't have the opportunity to have revenge games against the Timberwolves. So they just got to have their next man step up and... It could be a could be a real killer for him. Could be a decisive thing in that one Wolves victory that we're predicting. I think deeper in the playoffs, it could. I know you're joking, but I think <laughs> it could actually have an effect. But against the Wolves, I, I think it's like such a, a mute point, and I think we both know that. All right. Well, one thing I did want to pick your brain about. We're going to turn to the optimistic side for a little bit. Who's the like X factor for your Timberwolves to like keep it competitive, try to make the best of the series? So I can't give an X-Factor award to someone who's already good, right? It has to be someone who's average and uh, will be above it. I mean, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I'm you've got your X-Factor, I've got mine. I think we're going to agree on this one. I don't think we will. I think like X-Factor or like who could spark this series is someone who shoots threes, right? That's true. So I, I think I really have to go with Belly. If he, what, that one game we got like 20 plus and kind of just saw flashes Dominated, of like why he was yeah. a yearly MVP... We sort of need that something like that out of a lot of our guys, but especially Belly, if we're going to go as far as we can. And we've seen flashes of like at what point? At one point, he did the highest three point percentage in the NBA, mm-hmm. and he's able to defend sometimes and sort of like just be dynamic. Where I don't think Crawford and to some degree Wiggins haven't shown that. But I, I guess my second pick, and I think what your pick will be, is Wiggins, just due to his athleticism and potential. Oh, no, not even. Oh. I wasn't even thinking three-point shooting at all. It's a good point because the Wolves tend to trade twos for threes, and with the Rockets, that is not a recipe for success. So we just need someone in one game to go like seven for seven from behind the line. See, I'm not even thinking offensively. I'm thinking Taj on defense. Just because Ryan Anderson and the amount of shooters that they have, if he can just run those guys off the line, like he's not a very very quick guy but the amount of shooters that they have to space the floor we're going to need our bigs to play really really good defense and you know if Taj can frustrate some guys and force them to get out of their game a little bit it could really we just need to throw the Rockets in a funk kind of punch them in the gut catch them on a night where they're not shooting well and I think Taj might have a big role in that I get what you're saying but I just think Taj is one of the more consistent people on our team Mm -hmm. so to like ask for him to be an x-factor he would sort of respond like, hey, I play the exact same game. Yeah, I mean, he would do you know what I mean? like his, his exact same thing. deviation in a game is so low that I just don't know. Like with Wiggins, it's like, will he score 30? Will he score 5? Will he be efficient? Will he play defense? So like, yeah. There's all these levers that you can pull up and down. And so I think randomly, one game, those things are going to align with Belly, Wiggins, and Crawford will go 5 for 6. He'll be dialed in. And then shoot. 23 shots the next game because he's so excited yeah loses the game but yep. like we'll take the one w right yeah exactly so I, I think that's what i'm looking for yeah i guess i just wouldn't be asking for any more points or steals or anything but just a game where when when you get those three pointers so let's combine our x factors for a little bit Ooh. they're all on the same Ooh. team yeah so you get those three pointers some hot three point shooting we're gonna need guys to make consistent stops and I can see Jim Peepee and like oh the last three possessions Taj knocked the ball away from Ryan Anderson and like got in some passing lanes and has just been disruptive he can like leverage his position a lot and I know it's sort of a, a weird take because like the stats what the stats are and they're sort of backed up but to some degree like everyone on the court's an NBA player right 
Mm-hmm. Like these guys are all packed into sort of the top 0.01% of NBA players out there, right? Yeah. So like they're so close together that it always makes me think that like for one game, how crazy is it that Belly would be better than Chris Paul or Taj be better than Capella, right? Or D Rose goes off. I mean, I guarantee Tibbs is going to play. What he's a him. former MVP, like, you know. Yeah. So there, I, with Rose, I just feel like there's like, I feel like his his normal career is centered around a pretty bad place right now. Yeah. Like a sort of a journeyman through the NBA. I feel like he'll just have a few more teams or something. Mm-hmm. But I feel like his deviation or his you know percent chance just to do something nuts is still up there, right? He's it's still the same person. So I think we've got a lot of randomness going on there. So. I know it's weird that we're not talking about like, oh my gosh, will the Wolves win the series? But I think it'd be so silly for me to say that the Wolves have over a 50% chance to win, right? Yeah, it's kind of out of respect I, for the Rockets. That'd just like, be stupid. Yeah, I'm I, happy we made the playoffs, but that'd just be generally dumb. I hope they win, and there's a chance that they do, but mm-hmm. it's not over 50. <laughs> well, and it's frustrating because a lot of this has been pointed out this week. Just a couple games difference could have put us in like the four or five spot. And a lot of people... There's three games for a four-seater. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people point to the teams that we lost to that are at, like, the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Give me any team, and I'll give them three bad losses. Right. And that's that was part of my point, is that it goes to show that the Wolves aren't a great team. They're a good team. Good teams lose to bad teams and also beat really good teams. But, they like, really great teams stomp on all the bad teams. They just don't even let them breathe, you know? Yeah, I mean, what, the Rockets had 15-ish losses, so there's something in there. I, I get what you're saying, but, like, so those, those takes are a little weird to me, and then Butler being out is sort of what I cite, and yep. people are like, oh, what if Butler wasn't out, you know? But mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to, like, right. really comprehend or process that. Yeah, like, was. how many losses do the Wolves have? You could just say, oh, if we just didn't lose those games, we'd be 82-0. And I and Butler's back, he'd be worth three-plus, three or four wins, I think, in, in that time, mm-hmm. right? And that's probably what would have happened. It just didn't. <laughs> I have a hard time like discussing that or having like a first take conversation around that. So here, yeah, here we sit now facing the Rockets because of that. So Noah, say that lightning in a bottle, we just rip off four wins somehow. Are we gonna allow ourselves to do coverage of the next round or out of like respect for the stances that we took? Would we just go dark for a couple weeks? You know, I when, think we would like we would be silenced, right? Yeah. We couldn't we just, do it. I would give up all of the respect that we've garnered. All of it. Yes. Tons of respect. <laughs> yep. Um, in the media world for a first round win. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would, I was just thinking like it just popped into my head like, oh my gosh, what would the podcast be like after game seven? Okay. Rockets beat the Wolves. Like, sorry that we said you guys would maybe win one game, but that's just kind of where we're at. Yeah, and there's there's an eight percent chance for it according to five thirty eight. Like eight percent happens, right? Mm-hmm. Once in a fortnight. Yeah, we should have we should have looked something up that eight percent that happens. Flip mm-hmm. a coin like fifty times in a row. Some goofy stuff's gonna happen. Yeah, this is this is true. Anything else to add, Noah? That's about it. I got yeah. nothing. Is KG a free agent? I feel like that'd be a big pickup at this point. You know, I don't know how he feels about the Wolves. I want him back, but... KG's Area 21, like, retweeted, and we back. Hashtag, and we back is electric, by you know the what? way. Never I mind. love it. Sign him. Yep. All right. Well, so, next podcast, we'll break down the Kevin Garnett signing and what it means for how we're going to make a run through the West. Perfect. How? Right. How?